Good morning. My name's John Naylor and it's my privilege uh, to welcome you uh, to this morning's message. We've been hearing about fruitfulness for some weeks now. Good lives, good works, good news, remaining fruit, vintage fruit. And I'm going to look at another way of describing fruitfulness as making a difference, as leaving our mark, as being significant and doing something important. And we are made for such fruitfulness. Which of us as children ever dreamed of being invisible and insignificant? Proverbs, uh, one of the books in the Old Testament, in chapter 13, verse 2, um, says something that is a very familiar verse. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. There's something about having a desire fulfilled that makes us fully alive, fully human. Desires are powerful things. We all have desires for food and water, for warmth and safety, for nurture, comfort, for love, for belonging and community, for status and power and prestige and for accomplishment and for dreams fulfilled. This isn't particularly selfish, it's just the way we're hardwired. Let me remind you of a story from the Old Testament about the Israelites. These were the people who God has chosen as his family. And they'd lived as slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And shortly after they were freed from slavery, God gave their leader Moses 10 commandments. Now, the commandments didn't get the Israelites free, but they were designed to keep them free, to keep them fully human and fully alive. And there were seven commandments about personal morality and about social order, how they lived with each other. But the first three were about who they worshipped, who they gave their highest allegiance and desires to. In Egypt, they'd seen all kinds of Egyptian gods and they could have included Yahweh with the others. So why did God give them three commandments, not just in and amongst the ten, but the first three, to say, to put him first? Remember, when God created Adam and Eve, it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make mankind in our image. You see, we become what we love. And who we love shapes what we become. God gave the commandments to the Israelites to worship him above everything else, not because 
he needed worship, not because God was insecure and his esteem needed boosting. No, he gave us those commandments for us. So in worshipping God, we are shaped to more closely reflect his nature and his personality. So we would regain our vocation as image bearers of God. The great lie the Satan tricked Adam and Eve in the garden with was that they weren't like God, but that they could become like him through their own actions and efforts, through self-sufficiency. And that's just eating from the wrong tree. Because they were always meant to eat from the tree of life. Remember, God had said to them, you can eat from any tree in the garden, including the tree of life. Just not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And recall that a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. In John's Gospel, in the New Testament, in chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus says, Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Remember some weeks ago, we were looking at how essential it is to remain in Jesus, to be fruitful and live fruitful lives. See, eating and drinking here isn't just about the communion ritual, but about putting our desire to love Jesus at the top of our hierarchy of desires, of making the main thing the first thing. We become like the thing we love. And what we put at the top of our desires shapes how we pursue all our other desires. Misplaced love leads to misshaped lives. Misplaced love leads to misshaped lives. This works for individuals, for communities, even whole countries. And you don't have to look far to see how this plays out in our world, even at the moment. The Old Testament is full of the stories of the misshaped lives of God's family, the Israelites, who repeatedly placed other things above their loving and worshipping God. And when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 26, Jesus answered, love God with everything you are. That's the one that really matters. As an aside, you can't love God without loving your neighbour. But you can try and love your neighbour without loving God. You see, there is a war for your heart and your highest affections. Recall that the Satan 
wanted to be worshipped like God and even invited Jesus to bow down and worship him. And when Adam and Eve followed Satan's lie, that they could fulfil their highest desires through their own efforts, through self-sufficiency, they replaced their love for God from that top spot. And in doing so, they became like the one they followed, like Satan, because they became afraid of God, just as Satan is afraid of God. Misplaced love leads to misshaped lives. The story of this war for our hearts goes right the way through the whole Bible. And in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2, the writer records a letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. Now, you have to know that this church was very hardworking, was faithful, was committed, was sincere. They believed the right things and they had correct doctrine. But they had abandoned their first love. Or put it another way, they'd moved loving Jesus out of the top spot and replaced love for him with other religious priorities. He says, you're doing good things, but you no longer have the most important thing, the main thing, as the first thing. But the good news is that if you change, if you repent, if you overcome the war for your desires and put loving Jesus at the top again, you can have the right to eat from the tree of life. It's that tree of life again, keeps popping up all over the place. We become like the one we love. What do you have in your life that brings you self-worth, esteem, significance, comfort, a sense of belonging? Are any of these desires, good though they may be, more valuable to you than knowing and loving Jesus? And what would somebody who knows you really well say? Maybe you've never given this a thought and you'd like to know more about this Jesus and what that might mean for you. Please don't finish today without contacting us either on the telephone or by email. The details will be on screen at the end. Perhaps you're like the church at Ephesus, that you haven't stopped doing good deeds and living a good life, but you've replaced the main thing, loving Jesus with everything you are, with something else, with self-sufficiency. Perhaps you've noticed how hard work that is, how much effort it takes, and how exhausting it all is just to keep this going. 
If I'm speaking to you right now, listen to this invitation from Jesus in Matthew 21, verse 28. Are you having a real struggle? Come to me. Are you carrying a big load on your back? Come to me and I'll give you rest. My heart is gentle and not arrogant. You'll find the rest that you deeply need. I'm going to finish with a prayer. And if it resonates with you, pray it along too. Jesus, here I am again, desiring the thing that if I were to indulge in it, it would war against my own heart and the hearts of those I love. Oh Jesus, rather let my life be yours. Take my desires, let them be submerged in still greater desire for you. Until there is no more room for these lesser ones. In this moment, might I choose I might choose to indulge a fleeting hunger, or I might choose to love you more. Faced with this, I would rather choose you, Jesus. But I am weak, so be my strength. I am shadowed, so be my light. I am selfish, and make me now and refashion my heart according to the better designs of your love. Given the choice of shame or glory, let me choose glory. Given the choice of this moment or eternity, let me choose in this moment what is eternal. Given the choice of this self-serving thing or the road of the cross, give me the grace to choose to follow you, knowing that there is nowhere apart from your presence I might find the peace I so long for. No lasting satisfaction apart from your reclamation of my heart. Let me build then, my King, a beautiful thing by long obedience by the steady progress of small desires that laid end to end will become like stones on the road we make by walking together and a pleasing path stretching into eternity into your welcoming arms surrounding me and unto your voice pronouncing the judgment well done my beloved child. Thank you for listening. Bless you.